My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all of the guidance, research, and encouragement that you need to remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Okay, so this is going to be a redo kind of of a, of a reels that I did um, about why talk therapy is not helpful and how it can actually be harmful to the treatment of OCD and anxiety. So. Someone DM'd me on Instagram asking why talk therapy wasn't helpful, and it was not helpful in their experience. Basically, this person had been in treatment for a very, very long time for anxiety, and they found that they were just kind of spinning their wheels, but they wanted to know why that was probably the case. And so luckily, I was able to kind of validate all of that for them and give them some background and insight into why that was happening. But I wanted to come on and do this podcast because I wanted to elaborate on the video that I did on my Instagram. And I also wanted to be able to reach my podcast audience in case anybody else was also struggling with this issue. So in this episode, I'm going to talk to you about how talk therapy is not helpful for OCD and anxiety and how it can actually be harmful for those issues. So first things first, just what is talk therapy? So what am I referring to when I talk about talk therapy? I'm just referring to this empathic, supportive nature of treatment where there's this unstructured kind of talking session um, with no real guided interventions being delivered. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes that's what somebody needs, especially sometimes if it's like that someone's first experience into, into treatment and they're just kind of easing into everything. Other times there should be evidence-based interventions like exposure and response prevention being delivered to the individual so that they can feel that symptom relief. And anxiety being one of the most common disorders, one of the most common issues for people, exposure and response prevention, otherwise I'll refer to it as ERP from here on out. ERP is the best treatment for it. So it is the gold standard treatment for OCD and anxiety. And so it's just crazy to me how Anxiety can be so common of an issue, and so few people know about ERP as far as therapists go and as far as patients go, people who are seeking out this this option. And even of those who know about it, so fewer of them are actually, the clinicians are trained in how to do it. And so it's really important, I think, to get the message out there, not just for clinicians, but also for people presenting to treatment with these issues so they know what to look for in a therapist and in these interventions and what to stay away from. So first things first, if you are someone who has OCD or anxiety, you're going to want to find someone who has experience in treating these disorders specifically and knowledge with ERP specifically, which is going to be under that umbrella of CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy. 
So in cognitive behavioral therapy, you're really just working with a therapist to work on your behaviors, your cognitions or your thoughts and your emotions. So you're tackling all three of those issues. And ERP is just like under that CBT umbrella. So they're not separate. Something as a person presenting to treatment that you can definitely ask is if they do, you can actually be just outright and ask, like, do you do ERP? If they do, that's great. And so maybe with the more that you know about ERP, you can kind of talk to them about how, you know, how extensive their treat their experiences with that intervention and all those things. But if they don't, and their modality of treatment is just kind of being supportive and empathic and non-judgmental, I would recommend finding someone else. Um, and the reasons why, like I've mentioned before, is one, it isn't helpful for OCD and anxiety, and two, it can actually be harmful and get you further in the rut of OCD and anxiety. So first things first, going to go over how it's not helpful. So how it's not working to get you better. And the big reason here is if you're talking about your anxiety, you're not doing something about your anxiety. And ERP really requires action for new experiences to take place. So in order for change and learning and these behavioral patterns to really change in your brain, as far as your fears go and your triggers go, you need a new experience to replace the old experience. And you need to be able to do these anxiety-provoking things in a new way, meaning without safety behaviors or without rituals before, during, and after the the anxiety-provoking situation. If you're just talking about your anxiety in a session with a therapist, and you're just kind of sorting through everything, you're not actively challenging yourself at all in the moment, Um, and potentially not at all. You're not going home and and challenging anything. You're just kind of sorting through your thoughts and maybe reorganizing some stuff, but you're not actually taking any behavioral active action in that moment, and potentially not at all. So if you're not receiving the active part of therapy here, which is the ERP, That meaning like the exposures, uh, the challenging situations, and then the ritual prevention, which would be not doing these rituals or these safety behaviors, then you're not going to see the long-term improvement. You may see temporary improvement. So you might get temporary relief in the form of like, oh my gosh, it felt good to get that off my chest. It feels like someone finally understands me. But ultimately, you will end up feeling worse and still will not have changed the experience in your world, right? Like the learning is still not being challenged. As far as how it can be harmful, during these supportive back and forth, just this reflective type of conversation with your therapist, whether you're conscious of it or not, and whether your therapist is aware of it or not, they're going to probably be giving you some type of reassurance in that exchange. So reassurance is a big ritual that we want to look out for, for anxiety and OCD. Reassurance can come in the form of simple things like, I'm sure you'll do great, or going over all the ways that things will end up probably being okay. And you can also just get reassurance from a simple facial expression or a gesture or a tone. So you have to be really careful for that too. So just as an example, let's say that you're presenting to treatment with what we call relationship OCD. So this is going to be somebody who's pretty doubtful about relationships and you might have behaviors or compulsions around this. So if you just present to treatment and you're talking about all of your doubts and relationships and your therapist is just listening and validating and giving you guided reflection, you're consciously or not kind of just sorting through all these thoughts and more than likely becoming temporarily reassured about things right then and there. So 
it might feel good for a second or two, it might feel good for a session or two or a couple days, but then you'll end up having that doubt all over again and needing it more and needing it more. And you're still going to be just as doubtful, if not even more doubtful. And you're going to have to rely on that reassurance all over again because your brain knows that it was temporarily helpful. So you're going to want more and more and more of that. But the doubt underlying is still going to be there completely unaddressed. So OCD and anxiety is really one of those things that in order to get over it, you have to go through it. There's really no other way. And so the opposite of the relationship OCD example, instead of getting that reassurance, it would be things like just sitting with that uncertainty that maybe this person isn't into you, you know, maybe, maybe not. So not checking your phone compulsively for replies or, you know, not checking in with that person or asking reassurance from that person about how they feel about you, so on and so forth. And so by talking to a, just a talk therapist, you're not doing that behavioral change. You're just either talking about it or you're getting reassurance, which is kind of like going around the issue versus going through the issue. And again, in order to get over OCD and anxiety, you have to go through it to get over it. So without that behavioral change, you're going to still be in a really difficult, stagnant spot and probably feel like you're spinning your wheels a little bit. One thing that's probably my favorite thing about the whole ERP process is this idea of corrective experiences which again, you won't have these corrective experiences unless you do the ERP process and if you just do the talk therapy. Corrective experiences is basically that feeling you get when you're like, oh my gosh, I did it. So you rode the wave of anxiety, you came back down from that high, you resisted this compulsion or the safety behavior and oh my gosh, I did it. I can't believe I did it. That felt great. I'm awesome. And it's when you replace these maladaptive emotions to an experience with more adaptive emotions to an experience. So instead of having anxious and negative emotions about a presentation, for instance, with social anxiety, you do an exposure to give a presentation without asking for reassurance about it afterwards or without compulsively checking your grade. And you just sit with the uncertainty of things. So maybe I did okay. Maybe I didn't. And it will be anxiety provoking at first, but eventually you'll do it. You'll show yourself you can do it and you will have this corrective experience of, oh my gosh, I did it. And then you'll have that new adaptive emotion, which is accomplishment and confidence when it used to be anxious and negative. I'm hitting the pause button quick to share with you guys a product that my family absolutely loves. Magic Spoon is a protein-packed, delicious adult version of some of our favorite childhood cereals. It's a healthy cereal that seriously tastes too good to be true. Each serving has about 11 grams of protein per serving, compared to those other cereals that only have one or two grams of protein per serving. Each serving also only contains three net carbs, compared to an average of 24 net carbs per serving with other cereals. Magic Spoon cereals are also grain-free, gluten-free, and free of artificial sweeteners and other funky ingredients. They have flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, blueberry, honey nut, and my favorite, peanut butter. Give it a try at magicspoon.com and enter Jenna Overbaugh, one word, for free shipping on me. Happiness 100% guaranteed. So with that said, a therapist giving you ERP can and should still embody characteristics that would be desirable in a therapist engaging in traditional talk therapy. So things like being warm and compassionate and non-judgmental, 
it, in fact, I would argue that being an ERP therapist is super intimate because not only do we have to be therapists, but we have to be teachers, we have to be coaches, and so many other things in the face of people doing what they believe to be the scariest things in the world sometimes. So doing ERP doesn't mean that it's going to be this cold-hearted approach and you're going to be bold all the time and rah, rah, rah. I'm only going to challenge myself and that's it. There is a time and a place to challenge your thoughts and to work with the emotions, but the behaviors are going to be at the forefront of OCD and anxiety treatment. There are things you can do alongside the ERP treatment, but definitely not without the ERP treatment, including things called decatastrophizing and reducing what we call probability overestimation. So catastrophizing and probability overestimation are two cognitive distortions in OCD and anxiety where with catastrophizing, you basically make mountains out of molehills. So you're thinking the worst thing when what we'll do is work with you to try to understand that process and how to just be more realistic. Now, probability overestimation is where we overestimate the likelihood that something bad is going to happen. So while something bad could always happen, that's just the reality of things, The therapist is going to work with you on how to make that estimation just a little bit more realistic. And again, these things can coincide with ERP treatment in a selective way that's dictated by the therapist when you feel like they're ready for it, but it can't take place without the exposures and the ritual prevention in order for it to be effective in the long run. So if you are someone in treatment right now, let's say that you are someone in treatment right now and you've just been getting the supportive treatment and you're not getting the ERP, I would definitely talk to your therapist about that and just see kind of where they're at. Now, maybe you're someone in treatment right now, maybe you're getting the exposures and that's the treatment that your therapist is wanting to provide you with, but you're not sure about it. You're just wanting something more supportive instead, meaning that unconditional support and reflection and just the space to talk about your thoughts and experiences. If that's you, then just know that a trained ERP and anxiety therapist may not recommend this supportive treatment and therefore may recommend that you go elsewhere. And they might be totally cool with you continuing to see them because if you have a strong rapport, they may not want to break that. And so it's all going to come down to obviously a case-by-case basis. But I would not be surprised if not providing that supportive treatment, if that's what somebody wants, is actually in their informed consent. And the informed consent is just the paperwork that you fill out at the beginning of treatment, kind of letting you know what's going on and all those things and, and what you're signing up for. So the reason why a therapist might either not give you that supportive treatment or actually refer you elsewhere is because as therapists, we have a duty to do no harm. And as I've mentioned all along, talk therapy can actually be harmful to OCD and anxiety because again, we are reinforcing this idea that yes, these things are scary and we don't want you to challenge them and we're okay with you not challenging them. And then two, we're probably giving you reassurance the whole time, which is going to temporarily make you feel better, but like any ritual make you end up feeling worse and getting you more sick. So like I said, as therapists, we have a duty to do no harm. Talk therapy can be harmful to OCD and anxiety. And therefore to align with our duties as clinicians, we can't ethically engage in something that we would not recommend more so something that can actually be harmful. So when a therapist refers elsewhere, 
it's possible that you could get angry or upset about this, particularly if you're a parent of a child or a teen who's getting that treatment. But I would encourage you to think about it this way. If you had a heart problem and you went to a heart surgeon who specializes in heart issues, they gave you all their recommendations that they knew with all of the science and professionalism and background in the world to be tried and true, and that still wasn't good enough for whatever reason, specifically you just not wanting to do the treatment or not being quote unquote ready for it, that heart surgeon isn't necessarily going to just churn through options and recommendations, right? So Even more so, they're certainly not going to perform eye surgery on you when that's not in their wheelhouse and when that is, in their opinion, not going to fix the heart problem. So in the same way, therapists, we have to stick to what we know to be tried and true and ethically the best decision for the patients. And we can't operate outside of our own wheelhouses as well. So if you aren't feeling up to ERP for whatever reason, and trust me, I get it. It seems counterintuitive. You may not be in the place where you're able to challenge things like that. So if for whatever reason you're wanting talk therapy or some other modality of treatment, as a therapist, I would probably work on you with just wanting to address the ambivalence that you're experiencing towards the ERP. So for instance, talking about anxiety, about anxiety, increasing distress tolerance somehow, and all those things. So as a therapist, you can even use the hesitance as a behavioral experiment in and of itself. So if you're a therapist who's listening and you have someone who's really struggling with the idea and getting on board with ERP, try using the person's hesitance about exposures as a behavioral experiment in and of itself. So just trying exposures and seeing what happens. You guys can even have kind of this mentality of like, okay, cool, fine, whatever. Let's just see what happens. I don't know what the heck my therapist is doing for me right now, but I'm just going to roll with the punches and see what the heck happens. So moral of the story here is that talk therapy for OCD and anxiety might be helpful in the short term as far as feeling like it's a safe place and you weren't judged and you got something off your chest. But as far as changing the behaviors, it just will not happen and it won't be beneficial long term. You're definitely going to want to find an ERP therapist who's trained in this modality. And you can do that. The best resource, I think, for that is the IOCDF. So that's the International OCD Foundation at IOCDF.org. You can find therapists in your area who are trained in these specialties. So again, if you're just seeking out treatment, this is something that you can definitely ask your soon-to-be therapist about. So do you provide ERP? What is your knowledge background about it? What's your experience with ERP? And if you're currently in therapy, ask your therapist about it. So if they don't feel like they're able to give you that treatment, then there are other options out there as well. So they may be able to give you a referral. Um, Unfortunately, I know so many people who have struggled for years and years feeling like they were just spinning their wheels in treatment, like nobody could help them. And in reality, they just weren't receiving the active treatment for ERP. And once they found... ERP, they were able to see the benefits and see that long lasting change. And they started to feel really good about everything. So last thing I'll say is that ERP, again, is the gold standard treatment for OCD and anxiety, meaning it is the go-to above and beyond for anything else for OCD and anxiety. It's, It's more effective for OCD and anxiety than any other treatment for any other disorder. So while OCD and anxiety are awful and debilitating, and it's hard to find the right therapist at times, know that you are getting a good bang for your buck with ERP and it is worth the discomfort of challenging yourself with your fears and finding a therapist who can truly help you get there. 
For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and so much more. Also, be sure to check me out on Instagram at jenna.overball. And while you're here, tune in to some other episodes on the podcast while you're at it. And as always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other women and people in general who really need these resources and, and this information who otherwise may not get it. So with that said, thank you guys again so much for tuning in. I absolutely love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.